Hello and welcome to another edition of the Be Bullish podcast. I'm Alex Ely, CIO of the U.S. Growth Equity Team here at Macquarie. Uh, thanks for listening in. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, what a whirlwind we've been in, uh, in terms of the markets this year. It's been very difficult, um, particularly for small cap growth managers like myself. Um, we're really experiencing historic times. Um, just to, as an update, we have seen the greatest rotation from growth to value in a generation. We've seen the greatest uh, rotation from smaller cap companies to larger cap companies in a generation. We're seeing sentiment levels at near 35 year lows right now. And we're just coming off of seven weeks in a row of the market going down. Um, that has only happened four times since World War II. So really unusual times. I, I'm sure people that listen to me think like, why are you hosting a Be Bullish podcast? How do you still say bullish? How do you still say, stay constructive? The reality is, is this is probably the third or fourth worst market that we've seen for growth companies um, in, in my career. And I've been doing this for uh, almost 30 years now. So it's definitely difficult times for growth companies in general as people worry about where we're going and what's going to happen with the economy. In essence, the argument that I'm going to make to you is that the market is extrapolating out numbers that won't continue in the future. So let's let's talk about where we came from, uh, how we got here, and, and where I think things are going. Um, I believe this is all pandemic-related. Uh, when the pandemic hit, we saw about half of all industries go into, into a depression. Uh, of course, travel and leisure, energy, materials, deep cyclicals, but also things like regional banks and chemicals and, and other industries like that, where business just seized up. And in many cases, in some cases, revenue went to zero. So really just unbelievable times that never experienced in my lifetime in terms of a fall off of economic activity for value oriented in industries, which is why growth did so well. Growth was scarce. And in many cases, uh, growth accelerated due to the pandemic, whether it be e-commerce, virtual healthcare, streaming media, um, casual clothes, uh, you name it. Um, we, we saw a lot of movement towards those kinds of growth sectors uh, and they did very well. We did very well, of course, during during that period of time. As pure growth managers, we, we tend to do better um, when growth is doing particularly well and we tend to do worse when growth is doing particularly uh, not well, So, uh, which is where we are today. As we came into 2021, um, in essence, uh, Pfizer's vaccine was approved at the end of 2020 uh, for emergency use, and then Moderna's soon after. And as a result, those value industry industries came back to life. They started to have fundamentals again. Revenues started to grow again. And we saw that rotation from growth to value. Uh, that did not surprise us. Um, we, we didn't begrudge it at all. I've got lots of friends that manage money and value. So it's it, it's not surprising that after years of value underperforming growth, that value would outperform. So that really, uh, 2021 uh, was not really a surprise. What's really been um, incredible or, or you know eye-opening has been what's happened with the nervousness over the Fed and over inflation. In essence, when, when you're reopening an economy, it's very clunky. It's hard to do. It's difficult to get the supply chain going again and to get the labor in and to get things delivered and things put on the shelves, which is why we've seen these supply chain issues in spite of the fact that the demand is strong. Now, take a step back here. When we look at things and we see that demand is strong, that's good. 
We like it when demand is strong, as opposed to demand being weak. The fact that we've had trouble supplying that demand, it's okay. There are lots of very smart people hard at work trying to figure out how to get you that car or that um, piece of clothing or whatever else it is that you want, and they'll get it done. They'll figure it out and they'll get, get there. So having that demand doesn't, doesn't, is a good thing in general in spite of supply chain issues. Okay, well, with, along with those supply chain issues, we've had inflation. Um, people haven't been able to get what they want, so they're willing to spend more. Things like boats or golf clubs or cars have been sold out, so people are willing to pay full price. They, they don't get a deal when they go to buy, buy that kind of stuff. And so that's fueled these inflation issues that we've had that have been you know, throughout the economy. Additionally to, the, to all this, we have war in Ukraine, and, and that's um, very difficult. That spikes food and energy prices really at the worst time. And it's brought inflation rates up to over 8% within the US economy, about 6% for core, which is basically everything except for food and food and energy. Um, so significant inflation that we've seen. And the Fed has to react to that. The Fed has two jobs. The first job is full, full employment, which they have. And then the second job is to keep inflation low. Their target is about 2%. And so inflation at 8% is wildly in the wrong direction, which is why the Fed and many of their governors have come on into the media and talked incessantly about increasing rates, about reducing quantitative easing, where they, they actually buy bonds in the open market to support uh, the fixed income world. Um, and, and they've talked about easing that uh, really now for about nine months. And, and it's finally begun. They have raised rates. They are um, planning on selling a trillion dollars a year for the next three years in debt. So um, a, a pretty significant move from supporting the economy in 2021 to not supporting it today. And that's where I, I come down on the inflation figure is that the inflation figure was pumped up by the fact that we had supply chain issues uh, coming out of the pandemic, that we had um, uh, extra stimulus, whether it's uh, thousands of dollars of checks going to people for, for stimulus checks or the childcare tax credit or extra unemployment or the suspension of evictions. All of those things have now sunsetted. So as we come to this year, we're starting to see an economic slowdown year on year because you don't have that extra fiscal and monetary push that's happening. As a result, we're starting to see cracks in terms of the strength of the economy right now. Um, we've seen some quiet announcements of layoffs. Uh, companies like Amazon have said they have too much space. They have too many workers. Um, we've seen uh, spikes in inventory levels, which means that demand for freight will decrease. And that means freight costs will come down. So in essence, labor costs loosening up. And then finally, housing as well. We've seen the 30-year uh, fixed mortgage rate go from 3.1% uh, at the beginning of the year to 5.23% today, a huge increase, which is bound to slow housing. And in fact, we saw our slowest housing start number in about 18 months this week. So we're starting to see cracks in housing as well. It's not a disaster. It's just showing that we're seeing softness in the economy. So why am I not more worried? Why am I not thinking that, wow, we're going to go into a horrible recession and everything's going to be bad? It's because structurally, I believe we are sound. If you look at the banks, post-08, they were endlessly regulated, endlessly stress-tested. As a result, uh, banks today are not as levered as they were back in 08. 
And it's because they didn't lend aggressively in the 2010s. If you were a consumer and you wanted to buy a house or something like that, um, it, it was very difficult to get a loan. And as a result, consumers aren't overextended either. In fact, uh, household debt finance levels are near 30 or 40 year lows. So the consumer is not overextended in, in respect to debt uh, like we saw back in 08. In fact, they have plenty of cash on hand. Um, in essence, historically high cash. In fact, $2 trillion that consumers have. Um, we, we see them having higher wages, their portfolios are up, their real estate values are up. So in spite of the softness, this isn't something where the world is cascading down. It's just the slowdown from the stimulus that we had from the pandemic. In essence, we saw a wave towards growth, we saw a wave towards value, and we saw a wave in, in respect to inflation. And, and now we're starting to see things peter down. But underneath it all, the trends and disruptions that we invest in, they continue. Things like mobile banking or digital currency or streaming media or individualized medicine, these things don't stop because they're providing better, cheaper, faster ways of doing things. And those efficiencies and those productivity gains that are garnered, um, there's a secular migration to them. That This is the creative destruction process um, that that make that works in every economy, but works so well in our economy, and it keeps happening because it's a cheaper way of doing things. Look at something like mobile banking and digital currency. Um, my son doesn't go to a bank. He does all of his banking on his phone. That doesn't stop because there's inflation. That doesn't stop because uh, the economy softens. My son's not going back to the bank. He'll keep He'll keep doing his, his banking on his phone because it's cheaper. People will use digital payment capabilities because they're more convenient. So these trends move on and on and on. And that's where we focus. We focus on the long run. We focus where we're headed. And we're constructive. We, we really do believe that we are structurally sound in respect to the market. I think that most people on Wall Street have extrapolated out this inflation and the softness in the economy that it's going to go on and on forever. We just don't see it that way. We see a lot of these issues as transitory. We think that they're, they're big issues that are highly talked about. And, and, and certainly, if you look at myself, of course, we could have looked back and been like, maybe we shouldn't be as bullish now. Maybe we should be more bullish later or what, what have you. We really can't do that as a team. I can't call rotations and corrections and things of that nature. We just try and focus on the long run. And as I said, I believe that we're structurally sound and we're in a unique opportunity um, to invest in the great growth trends of our time because we're going through a process in history right now where many things are being digitalized and those digitalization trends don't stop, according to us, or we don't believe that they will, um, because of the efficiencies they provide. And that's what makes us excited. That's what, what makes us positive and excited for the future. And while, of course, you could trade in and out and, and try and make more money, or in retrospect, look back and think, oh, well, you should have sold everything in November and bought everything today. Um, we, just, we just can't think that way. It's, it's not market timing isn't something that we do. Um, we try to invest for the long run, and we try to stay focused there, and we try to stay pure and true to our style, which is very important whenever the market is testing you. You want to keep the same discipline. You don't want to change. For, so for whatever you're doing, um, don't try and change it up. Don't try and be different. Try and stick to what's worked over the long run. Uh, be focused on the long term um, and, and be bullish in our minds because we, we do believe we're in a, in a terrific area for equities in spite of the fact 
that it's been such a difficult start to 2022. With that, I thank you again for listening in. I appreciate you taking the time. Please follow us on Google or Apple or or where or Spotify or wherever you're listening to us and, and have a great day out there. Be bullish. Thank you. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission Registered Investment Advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.